Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. 9,994. 9,995. 9,940. Oh, no. I have to start over again. I'm Britain. <laughs> I'm Britain. And uh, Britain, is that is that what you've been doing this whole time? Like you missed last week's episode because you were you were busy with with another task. Yeah. Yeah. Tyler. Tyler cursed me with knowledge. And so mm-hmm. I had to test it. Um, But uh, I listened to the episode you guys did and that released me from my torment. But I'm a man of commitment. And so I guess I'll put a pause in my counting to do this episode. I'm back baby <laughs> uh real quick before we get into the movie that we actually want to talk about britain uh I, I feel like we really built up last episode that you gave independence day <laughs> an f would you like to supply some rationale for that or just anything you want to say to the to the listeners sure i didn't finish the movie but what i will say <laughs> is that in the over 50% that I did watch, um, I mean, I, you know, I mean, it was everything y'all said. The, the thing that really got to me about it was not to get overly serious here, but it is uh, there's all this like insipid America hey geography that is understandable for what this movie is, but it's so hollow. It's just like. All right, here's shots of the statue where they're putting the flag up on Iwo Jima. Here's the Capitol building. Here's the Statue of Liberty. America stuff. And to me, it was almost offensive because it's like, do you think patriotism and people who are patriots like are that stupid? that <laughs> They're just like, ah, yep, all right, this is it. This movie did it. It loves America and understands all of its int- intricacies. And the movie is not, not supposed to be smart. And so, I don't know, it, but it See, started to bother me. I think me. Roland Emmerich likes that. Sure. I think that it, that is 100% his interest. I think he's like, yeah, this makes me feel proud. Yeah. <laughs> this appeals to me. You put flags on things. It was, but it, it's not dissimilar from like the, the Christ imagery in Man of Steel, where it's like, okay, but what do you, what do you mean? Um, you know, it was, it was all that stuff that the aliens invade the planet, but only America has to, has what it takes. I mean, um, I did like Brent Spiner's hair. I, I mean, uh, Randy Quaid. Like he, he, he came in and saved the day for America. So, I mean, I really think that finale ties it all together in a way that you just didn't see. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Maybe you yeah. watch the second half of the movie. That's, that's clearly the problem. Uh, but no, I like Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> and um, mm-hmm. yeah, I like Jeff Goldblum. Sure. Tyler, what are we talking about this uh, week? Because we're, talking we're not about a... doing Independence Day resurgence. You we're will also... not change my mind about this, America. We're also not doing Morbius. Um, we're talking Yet. about Jumanji. Yet. Yeah. We got a new franchise. We're doing we're going back. Back to the nineties again. Back to nostalgia again. Um and yeah, it's an actual franchise again, kids. A little bit of a weird one, but um yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to get into. Uh so Jumanji, the the first one from nineteen ninety-five, it has a fifty-two percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a sixty-two percent audience score. And it is directed by Joe Johnston, who I want to remind listeners of this podcast. He has done previous um, films that we've reviewed, uh, specifically Captain America, The First Avenger, and Jurassic, uh, I almost said Jurassic World 3, Jurassic Park 3. 
Yeah, and you the know, not yet. Am I am I really gonna have like this sinking feeling whenever we are forced to watch Dominion? I'm gonna go. Why didn't Joe Johnston direct this? <laughs> I mean, uh, I possibly. think I think that we'll go ahead and say that whenever we are able to review Jurassic World Dominion, that's when we're gonna review Morbius. We're gonna oh, it's I gonna see. be a buffer. The the more buffer will yeah. be in place, uh, and we'll drop it there so that we can delay that a little bit longer. It's called Jurassic World Demorbian. <laughs> uh come on down he's turning into a velociraptor in this one um, why does this movie have a 52 percent on rotten tomatoes i don't know like the the reviews are really bad um like ebert didn't not didn't li- like it at all did it i feel like that happened pretty often with robin williams movies isn't that a pretty common thing where like he gets like terrible reviews early on and then later on people are like oh wait we love this maybe i mean maybe i think for some of his like more adult-oriented comedies and his dramas might have done a little bit better, and like his family films like this or Flubber or something weren't well uh, received. Mm. I'm surprised the audience score is that low. Um, I'm a big fan of this movie. I I will go ahead and cop to total nostalgia uh, surrender. I don't think this, nostalgia does not equal the movie being well-made in every case. I think this movie is made fine. There are definitely mm-hmm. things that it doesn't do well, but it does definitely does a lot of things I that are really good. But I watched this movie a lot as a kid, and so coming back and rewatching it now, like I still had a great time watching it. Uh, oh man, and yeah. I think a lot of that is because it doesn't make me feel the way it did when it was when I was a kid, but it reminds me of how that felt, and that's a nice place to go for ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, I like. I don't have a ton of like particular nostalgia for this. I, I mean, it was <clears throat> always on TV, you know growing up for me like I'm, I'm pretty familiar with it um but sitting down and watching it i was like yeah this is this is a lovely little family film and i did not expect that to be the reviews yeah, so, yeah how dare you run tomatoes yeah come on yeah i did a quick scan of some of the negative ones and it seems to be that people see the story as being fairly hollow um kind of paper thin and then also that uh the special effects just kind of overshadow everything and i think for for some folks they would they would say that the uh special effects and particularly the way that they've aged are a defect and i would say quite the opposite yeah um i i also have a lot of nostalgia for this movie um i had this on bhs and i distinctly remember like even watching the previews beforehand and like the whole thing um yeah, I, I I had a great time revisiting this. I hadn't seen it in like maybe fifteen years or something yeah, like that. That's been a minute. Let me do the uh, ooh. Okay. That that's a good point. Yeah, so the synopsis of Jumanji is thus a magical board game unleashes a world of adventure on siblings Peter and Judy Shepherd. While exploring an old mansion, the youngsters find a curious jungle themed game called Jumanji in the attic. When they start playing, they free Alan Parrish, who's been stuck in the game's inner world for decades. If they win Jumanji, the kids can free Alan for good, but that means braving giant bugs, ill-mannered monkeys, and even stampeding rhinos. Now, this makes the movie sound a lot more whimsical than it is. Um, I I will say, and I think this is is marred. If I'm introducing uh, the Tyler synopsis grade, Mm-hmm. Uh, starting on this podcast, I give that like an eight out of ten. I think okay. that's a solid synopsis. It doesn't. None of those things don't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, 
as a kid, this was like very haunting to me. Um, the idea that there was this thing that created genuine danger, um, the drama all read as very real drama to me as, as a young person. And yeah. the drums are very foreboding. And like there, there are shots in this movie that like watching even as an adult, I was like, Oh, I remember how that felt as a kid like that. And it's not, it wasn't scary. I wasn't afraid to watch the movie, but haunted is, is the right word. Just like it felt very ominous and foreboding. Um, I think one of Ebert's complaints was that it was too, some of it felt too dark or too grisly for him. Um, I, I don't know. For me, it was, it worked on me as a kid that I was like, that lion's terrifying. And I love that lion. And then now as an adult, I'm like, no, that's crazy. Like a giant terrifying looking pelican just scooped up their board game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in, in particular, the things that got me were the spiders at the end and then the, um, the plant that shoots. Oh my God. The, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Poisonous barbs and, and Kirsten Dunst just gets like shot in the neck with yeah. them. And I was like, Oh my God, those plants look fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Maybe this is a, a good jumping off point for us, the the effects. I think the effects in this are, are a ton of fun because the the ones that are purely digital, I think they hold up better than I would have expected. And when they don't, it either makes it kind of funny or it, or else it's this weird, like, those monkeys are like aliens. Yeah. Like, it, it yeah. kind of is this other... The monkeys are not monkeys. Yeah, the monkeys and are not monkeys. It's upsetting. But this <laughs> yeah. movie uses a lot of practical effects. Like, there's it a does. lot of physical work. There's a lot of puppetry. Um, like, I mentioned the lion. There there are definitely points where the lion is a CG creature. And it, yeah. I think it looks really good when it is. But yeah. there's a lot of animatronics in it. I love the big yellow plant that opens and tries to eat Peter. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a great-looking effect. I, I like the way the spiders looked. I loved the... Um, the crazy pelican, like I mentioned, like, yeah, there, like, there's some digital effects here and there, but all the practical stuff I thought looked brilliant. There's a crazy al- a crocodile. Yeah, that, that entire looks awesome. sequence is very well done. Yeah, like, I just, it, it, I don't know, not, not to be old man yell, yelling at a cloud here, but like, it really does make me miss the days where we could just rely on practical effects. I mean, I, oh, I, man. I tend to agree with that. Um, and, you know, it, I think the kind of shoddy CG or the the stuff that hasn't aged well, because clearly a lot of money went into this yeah, at the time yeah. that they made it. Um, I think the fact that it's built around the supernatural board game that we don't quite know what the jungle is or where yeah. all this stuff comes from. So the fact that the monkeys don't look like real monkeys, they just look like weird monstrosities. Sure. It actually kind of works in the movie's favor, I think. Sure. I also think the movie does a better job, except for the monkeys, of, like, disguising the CGI in some places. Like, at the beginning when all the bats fly out, you're like, okay, well, that's moving so fast and so chaotic. I can't really think about whether they look good. Like, it's just, I get what the effect is. And uh, future Tony nominee Laura Bell Bundy from Legally Blonde, the musical, is um, interacting with the effect well, and and that all works. I did. I I think that there it definitely stands out sometimes when the animals are interacting like in that in that scene you can see her kind of she's like hitting her shoulder and it's not really lining up exactly with what the bats are doing she's kind of like you can tell she's they she knew that they were going to add in the bats later and yeah kind of like told to try and pretend she's knocking them away 
To be um, fair, they and, do that even now. <laughs> sure, but I think it, it stands out quite a bit. Uh, it stood out quite a bit to me in that scene. Um, and then also the lion, like, the jumping and the movement was not always, like, didn't always have the, the right weight to it. Um, and so it felt very, like, kind of pasted in. I think the stampede. Stampede's a little, little bit iffy, yeah. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of really cool, like, big real effects that they just made. Um, I love the transformation of the house over the course of the movie. I think that yes. that's like, to me, the thing that really stood out watching this time is how they continually just destroy this house mm-hmm. as, as the things build on top of each other. Yeah. And they come back and it's just a, a, a jungle. Yeah. Well, and even like the miniature that they split to show the house cracking, like that's mm-hmm. a great mm-hmm. looking effect. And and you have like when Robin Williams is sinking into the floor, I think that looks okay. Um, yeah. Al- Kid Allen disappearing into the game. It's a little hinky, but that's also that's a complicated. Kid effect, Allen disappearing so. into the game is. Uh, yeah, it's it's, <laughs> a, little a, it's a little much. Flat Stanley kind of sure. like, strange. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah, little weird. but but the, it the, is a creepy game. So. The monkeys were the only thing that consistently I was like, that's weird. <laughs> it's a little iffy, but you know, ninety five. This might just be my nostalgia kicking in, but. I've got so many just visuals, like single images, just like glued into my brain. Um, There's particularly the moment where um, I think it's after Alan falls out of the floor that he's gotten stuck and he's like grabbing onto a vine and he's trying to catch the game because it's fallen through. And it's the lion like tries to claw at him and he like swings back and Robin Williams just looks absolutely terrified Mm -hmm. like that. For some reason, I don't know if it was in like a commercial I watched or something, but like that was just that's that's stuck in my brain forever. I remember and, seeing that a lot, yeah. And I, I feel like even when the visual effects aren't aren't always there, they're they're memorable visuals regardless. Mm. Like Alan getting sunk into the game, yeah, it's 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 not aged particularly well, but just the idea of it, yeah. Um, I think I don't know the movie works. <laughs> I oh, don't those, know. Yeah, no, I I I feel the same way about like the plants. Those are stuck in my brain and Mm -hmm. so many lines are like him saying it's a stampede and just there's also a lot of weird adr um sure and peter when peter starts turning into a monkey that makeup is a little is is kind of funny and they start adring a lot of him going Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that's a little little iffy but um i really one of the things that i i think works towards the the hauntingness of it is that there isn't an effect for the things coming out of the game. They're, sure. They'll read the thing about a lion and then suddenly they'll, they'll hear growling at growling and like out in that great, like out of the shadows moment, the lion shows yeah. up there's, or they'll say the thing about monkeys and they'll hear glass shattering that there is no sense of like, hide, they're coming out of the board game. They just appear. And I really love that. We never see the jungle. And they don't even really try to describe it. Because I remember as a kid, like, that being this terrifying, unseen force that, like, Alan was stuck there and forced to grow up there. And now he's back and these things are showing up. Like, like this this horrible world that is Jumanji is now coming into our world is such an effective... For as a kid, anyway, I found that so scary. I guess that's the idea of, like, behind, like, Cthulhu or something. That there's, like, this other otherworldly being. Yeah, I, I really like that it it uses its ambiguity quite yeah. effectively. I mean, it's the same thing as like we're not going to explain where the alien 
shows right. up. We're not going to explain where the predator, you know, where where he comes from. Um, we're just going to kind of leave that up to the audience's interpretation um, or a sequel made 20 years later or whatever. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's that's perfectly utilized. And, and it helps that that's not ultimately what the story's about. That's just that yeah. that's just a plot device. It's a really fun, neat plot device that, yeah. that creates a lot of fun set pieces. But that's not what the movie's ultimately about. Right. Yeah, no, I I, I, I agree. And I think it just the fact that this thing just exists and we see these like kids in the 1800s trying to get rid of it. Yeah. And then at the end, these kids yeah. on, in like France <laughs> find it that you're like, it's just this force of evil that just exists in the world. That image at the end of it, just like being in the Ugh. sand is really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. Cause you're like, you don't know what kind of rhinos are going to show up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do we just want to gush about Robin Williams for a little bit? Because he's really good in this. Yeah, he's a lot of fun in it. Um, he's just warm and sweet, and I I love him. I I think he he is able to really balance the comedic stuff and the serious stuff. He really knows when to tone it down and when to really ham it up. Mm-hmm. Um, like the whole sequence where he's rediscovering the world that he's in and he's like where are my parents what year is it um and then he races off to the shoe factory to try and find his father and what happened to the to everything um all of that is just really really sad and depressing and the way he sells that is just it's really really effective but then when he starts making jokes and Mm -hmm. when he particularly when they get sarah involved and he starts messing with her to try and get her to play the game None of that feels out of place or forced. Mm-hmm. It's he still feels like the same character. Yeah, it doesn't. It feels like well, let's let him be funny, but it doesn't feel like. And now I'm gonna do Elmer Fudd voices. Right. Yeah. I also like that the pop culture references he made would make sense for Kid Allen to make. That he's not referencing things that would have that would have been anachronistic. Yeah. And he wasn't like, oh, look at Forrest Gump over here. It's like you were in the jungle. Yeah. You were in a board game. The Brady Bunch reunion. <laughs> I have a weird quibble, which is that they didn't recast. Uh, is it Carl? Was the policeman? Right. Yeah, they David Allen Greer. Recast him as an uh, like have a different actor each time, or like do a lot more like old man makeup mm-hmm. because there is a moment where Robin Williams is standing next to him in the nineties, and I'm like, if Robin Williams. Ah. was alan <laughs> and he's aged 26 years sure yeah, my so brain, the idea is doesn't that compute to my brain yeah alan, I you're saying. alan i believe is 13 when he disappears so that means he'd be in like his late 30s right but when he comes back so i don't know if that means that carl um if he I, in the flashback i don't know if they're trying to sell him as like oh he's 18 yeah <laughs> that's what i I, mean, I saw that the scene where they first interact and i was like wait how yeah (laughs) yeah that 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 is true i do love carl's entire through line of just his car getting beaten up yeah Uh, (laughs) i think that's a good uh kind of progression throughout as he just gets increasingly mad at everything happening to it and then it gets eaten by the jungle when Mm -hmm. plants do it (laughs) and I like I like the uh, the joke that when he at one point the a sign comes on that says door ajar after it's been like ripped off mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. thing when he's in the uh, 
the save this apartment store there's a couple of good a good visual beats there's one when they're in the the saving store uh sir, sir savings i don't know if that's real yeah saves a lot <laughs> or whatever yeah yeah sir, yeah sir saves a lot i think i i assume it's probably not real for mark or brand increases but um i don't know t- time to go for a road trip we'll find out <laughs> yeah because it would a, a department store that was open in the 90s would definitely still be open yeah totally yeah Brick and mortar is the way of the future. Yeah. Um, I've invested so much in real estate, guys. <laughs> you don't even know. Going to open so many Kmarts. Um, <laughs> it's real estate and NFTs, guys. <laughs> Kmart NFTs. I... Oh, and, and timeshares. I'm, I'm still on the timeshares. Don't right. don't you worry. Right. Timesharing your Kmart. Uh, <laughs> Timesharing your NFTs. Through, through, through the blockchain, you're going to be offering uh i'm gonna stop i, I don't <laughs> <laughs> no in the, in the store at one point they uh are are fighting van pelt who we'll have to talk about um and kirsten dunce grabs uh the the price scanner yes uh and and blast uh van pelt in the eyes with the the red light which i don't know if that's really that not right but you know what he he's a jungle man not used to the ways the modern world maybe it threw him off uh but then it it, it cuts over to the register and it says no sale uh, right just for like a, a beat yeah. who's on that's pretty good <laughs> and there's like a little musical sting to that moment yeah. too they right. um that whole sequence of sarah and the kids evading van pelt in the store has real like christmas movie energy it's very like it feels like Jingle All the Way or something because mm-hmm. it's all kind of like using the toys and kayaks and stuff to to bother him and distract him and everything. And he has an automatic rifle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember Kirsten Dunst yelling "Price check" is like <laughs> like a like a a noise cue from my youth <laughs> for some reason. Like that's just locked into my that brain. Is, that is your Winter Soldier. Uh, yeah that's my activation phrase yeah for sure um yeah it's i there's also a shot at one point where he i think it's the first like because everyone's like looting because there's a stampede so they're like all right kind of head to sir saves (laughs) a lot and get a bunch of lawn gnomes and uh there's a part where i think this is the first time van pelt fires and everyone's like panicking and there's a shot of a bunch of people scattering and there's one person Who's just like a nerd with glasses who just like blah, 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 mm-hmm. does a bunch of business and then runs away. And just the like fake, I'm putting it down. Yes, sorry, no with the hitting. And it takes about five seconds, which is a long time in the shot. And then you're like, why did, was that, who was that? Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but that stuck out to me as a kid and it sticks out to me now. Even as a child, I was, I was sensitive to the cinematic achievement. Sure. There's still like people looting after yeah the the firefight starts they're just like well maybe if i just grab this this uh this board game it would have been great if there was one like fisherman going that's new england and then just (laughs) yeah well i i do think there's actually an interesting plot element that's brought up earlier in the movie that i i don't know how far it's supposed to carry through and the idea is that alan's family basically their shoe business kept the town running like that was like a centerpiece for yeah. for just all the the business in that town and then when alan's parents passed away um or when they spent all their money trying to look for him 
then the town basically went to crap because there's scenes of them just walking around and like all the businesses, like a lot yeah. of them are, are empty or, or they just they look decrepit, you know. Um, so I don't know if the idea is just supposed to be it's, you know, it's just a very impoverished, impoverished area now. So everyone's just kind of seizing the opportunity to loot no matter what, if they're used to more violence in that area. I don't know. Um, there is a scene where Van Pelt goes to buy a new gun or buy more mm-hmm. bullets. And the <laughs> the clerk says it'll be a there's a waiting period and you need to fill out all these forms. And then he kind of sneers. And then the guy's like, or I guess he makes a threat of some kind. And then the guy just gives him the gun. No, he, he gives him a bunch of gold. Oh, he does. He gives him gold. He gives him, excuse yeah, yeah. me. You're right. You're right. You're right. He gives him a bunch of gold, and then the guy waves the waiting period and the other thing. And I don't know what I want to say about it, but I, well, it's just I just need everyone to know that's the scene I, in the movie. I think there's also an unfortunate uh, joke in there where the uh, clerk asks if he's a postal worker. Um, which is a reference to the fact that there were a lot of uh, mass shootings by postal workers in the eighties uh, and nineties. Okay, well there you uh, go. Which is like, a, I mean, it's it's a phrase that became really common, but it's still like going postal. But it's still kind of sure, like yeah. I heard that and I was like, mm, yeah, do we mm, iffy, mm. iffy? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But otherwise, Van Pelt, fun character. Um, <laughs> Van Pelt, so so Jonathan Hyde plays Van Pelt and uh, uh, Alan's dad, which right. I actually really like mm-hmm. how that works yep. in thematically. Um, Jonathan Hyde is an actor who I've only seen a couple of things. He was on The Strain, which I watched a little bit of. He's I really like him because he has a very like serious actor demeanor, but he's also clearly willing to camp it up and clearly willing to be kind of silly, you know. Um, I don't know. I just I I enjoy him. Like he's very intimidating when he's yelling at Kid Allen, before he and Patricia Clarkson, who plays Allen's uh, mom, which is wild, um, before they go out to dinner. And as they're leaving, when Allen and uh, Jonathan Hyde are yelling at each other, Patricia Clarkson has the moment where she just kind of throws her hand up. She might have been putting on her glove or something, but also she's going, "All right, bye," and then she just walks out the door. <laughs> but then he'll also like as Van Pelt, he's all like sneery and and, and like. Well, Sonny Jim, you'd mm-hmm. better run. It's it's delightful. He makes this great face when Kirsten Dunst scans him in the in the eye. He's like, "Bill!" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, he's so much fun. He has a good yell. Yeah, several yeah, times yeah. in the movie, I think that shot has to be gift material, right? That has to be like, <laughs> "Oh, I saw the trailer for a new Adam Sandler movie." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Joe Johnson was like, one day people will want to watch this shot over and over and over and over and over and over and over under some text. And maybe something called a listicle. I don't know. I'm still working on it. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, I particularly love the confrontation that he and Alan have at the very end, right as Alan kind of drops the dice for the final time. And he's... Alan's talking about finally kind of standing up to his fears and whatnot. It's basically him confronting his dad and all of his his uh, insecurities head on. Um, I like all that stuff. That's I I I the through line of Alan's character arc in this. I actually you know I of course as a kid you don't really pick up on it all that much. It's just oh it's a weird adventure family film. 
Um, but this time I really picked up on all of that stuff. Um, and mm-hmm. I really, I love the opening stuff in the sixties with young Alan and kind of setting up everything there. Um, this movie, I mean, it's not, it doesn't have like the, the brilliant structure and all the setups and payoffs of something like back to the future, but I was getting those sorts of vibes in terms of See, this is just really efficient, isn't it? Sure. The, the sixties stuff I felt like was a little bit on the nose in terms of like i think it was using the shorthand that back to the future had kind of established which is it's a 90s thing i think to you know the theme for this movie uh which the score was by somebody i i need to james horner did the score right which is why it's awesome um that's a good score uh but that and like i'm thinking of the theme for forrest gump which has kind of a similar vibe to it. Um, there's a very like, you know, we're going to play really light and airy music. Yeah. And, like very tinkly kids riding bikes. Like, yeah. Um, some of that felt a little bit like perfunctory to me. Sure. But I think it was, I, I think it sets up, uh, it, it's always nice <laughs> when a movie is like, Hey, what if we set some things up and then do them? Right. Um, yeah. Like that's you know it's the most basic screenwriting like thing you can do is to enjoy catching setups and payoffs and to like have that tie into the character somehow and there's quite a few there there's the uh, kind of side story with with Carl where uh, Alan accidentally destroys his shoe that is a tennis shoe that somehow he made yeah on his own yeah time. he made a prototype of an Air Jordan. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He said he, he put a year of work into it. I don't know. Sure. Look, look, uh, apparently Tobey Maguire could make that the Spider-Man suit that he wore for $100, okay? Nothing, that's true. Nothing is out that's of true. the realm of possibility here. Yeah, but that's yeah. not cobbling, man. <laughs> put, put, put some respect on Carl's name here. That's that's true. Uh, You've got a point, sir. Yeah. I, the, the Anyway, that somehow, or, uh, or accidentally alan puts his shoe on the conveyor belt his prototype and it destroys the machine and carl gets fired and then <clears throat> at the end of the movie he tells his dad actually it was uh it was me who did that i didn't know enough to it and don't fire carl and carl seems to be happy in the future of that timeline which we'll have to talk a little bit about the fact that this right. movie has like an alternate timeline scenario um <clears throat> days days of future jumanji um <laughs> yeah the yeah the I, I think the opening is is effective uh and i think it, it works better when you kind of know everything because i watching this at first i was kind of like yeah this this is very by the numbers and then uh kirsten dunce and peter yeah <laughs> show up uh and uh i think the movie immediately gets a lot more fun and interesting with them and their dynamic uh and of course robin williams shows up not long after that um and and the movie kind of kicks off from there and, and doesn't stop. Uh, yeah, K- know, K- Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Kirsten Dunst's character is savage in this. <laughs> like f- from the beginning, when she's talking to the leasing agent about the house, she's like, "Our parents were, I don't know, international spies or whatever." She's telling like all these crazy lies about her parents and all these extreme things, and then uh, is just lying. She's just she's such a prankster. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I liked her. I liked her in this. I think she's yeah. pretty good. I, I like Peter too. And BB Newworth is their aunt. That's awesome. I love BB Newworth. Um, yeah. Uh, she she brings up a good point about the board game itself, which is that it's all based on luck. There's yeah. no skill involved. Uh, which I assume to be a, a subtle jab at Monopoly uh, and <laughs> other such board games. Um, <laughs> but uh, I I do like what they do with kind of the board game overall in, in terms of using that as the motivator for it because uh, the fact that there's you know they have to to follow the the turn order and they yeah uh, establish that in terms of uh they get to have three turns early on because uh Kirsten Dunst rolls the dice and then Peter rolls once and gets doubles and gets to roll again and then after that, they have to wait for uh, Sarah, and then they have to wait, or, or then Robin Williams gets to roll. Like I, I like that they follow that, and and say, oh, it's the same game that we've been playing this whole time. I like that uh, Peter tries to cheat, and the game has anti cheat and <laughs> uh, <laughs> turns him into a monkey. Yeah, no game, no um, game shark here. Yes, uh, I, I think that there's some really fun stuff they do with that to kind of address like well what would happen if you did this or what right. why, how does the game work if it does that um and it's a fun i mean it's almost uh a parody of you know like it's alan uh rolls the that rolls the one that says until the dice show five or eight in the jungle you must wait or whatever the poem is um and that's like a very candy land thing or something sure. of like oh you have to or, or or in Monopoly, you know, you have to go to jail and roll doubles to get out. Uh, but now it's <laughs> man, it's trapped in the jungle right. for twenty six years. Uh, I think that's fun. I think that that stuff is is neat, uh, and I, I'm glad they kind of mess with that and and use that as the the focal point of the movie. Yeah, totally. I'm, sh- I'm sure we will enjoy the next movie just <laughs> as much, and it will be just as creative. We'll be around the same level, yeah. Yeah, I um. I agree. I also liked that in the in the flashback in the '60s when they're playing and they see that the the pieces just ma- magically on their own assume their their place on the board and move by themselves. Sarah says, "Oh, it's probably magnets or something." And then in 1995, mm-hmm. Kirsten Dunst sees the same thing and goes, "It's probably microchips or something." I mm-hmm. like that. That was pretty. Mm-hmm, yeah. That was very good. Um, I also uh, talking of Sarah. I love Bonnie Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. We haven't seen her. She hasn't, I don't know what she's been up to in her life in recent years, but like she was in a lot of stuff in the nineties and she was just always this really lovely, warm presence. She just strikes me as such a nice lady. She's very funny. I think she was a comedian. Like I just have a very warm feelings about Bonnie hunt. She did a few Pixar movies and she just, just popped up in a lot of stuff I saw as a kid. And I just, I, I really, really like her. Um, and it was good to see her. And she had some, she had some good, like quick, jokes about like after uh alan yells at peter she's like uh, don't worry about him honey he's a libra i was offended but that's okay <laughs> um but i was also I... understanding because of balance mm-hmm. and, and but she also has this great turn where he's like what are you talking about that's crazy and she just completely shuts down and she's like do not call me crazy alan like i i like that they again put in the thought of what would happen to this girl who saw this crazy thing happen how would she grow up yeah with this, with this, the the trauma of the event, and also the trauma of nobody believing her. Well, she becomes a psychic. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, I I really love because I I was waiting for that moment. Um, and I was like, I really wonder if if they're gonna kind of keep her. Like she's gonna keep saying, "Oh, I'm I thought I was crazy, thought I was crazy," and she keeps talking about that. I was waiting for Alan to go. I was in that game for twenty six years. You cannot compare this. Um, and I like that they kind of had that little standoff moment where she was like, "I was a little girl." Yeah. I had bats chasing me down the street, and nobody believed me when I tried to explain what happened to you. I was all alone, and then he says, so was I. Yeah. I, I really like that exchange between the two of them. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Bonnie Hunt is absolutely wonderful in this. I yeah. think she she is able to balance the comedy and the, the mm-hmm. dramatic stuff the same mm-hmm. exact way as Robin Williams. Yeah, I completely agree. Also, one of the bats is still there and is in the house. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. I guess they all have, like, uh, Compound V. They let them live forever. <laughs> compound J. That's what it is. Yes. Uh, there's also a uh, an old man who has the sort of Willy Wonka uh, giving the warning about what happened to the previous owner kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where where he's like, ah, yes, uh, the, the previous family left because uh, the father chopped up the little boy. Uh, yeah. just telling these two children about this. <laughs> well, anyway, a lot of uh, best the old parish house. Nobody ever goes in. Nobody ever goes in. <laughs> uh, yeah, the kid mortality rate here is crazy. Anyway, how old are you? But there's probably fine. Ah, but there's. I really love the scene, the flip of that, where Robin Williams goes to the shoe factory, and there's the old homeless man and his dog. Mm. And yep. the old homeless man's like, "Well, they call me old expose exposity." <laughs> um. And and he just just tells him about the back. But it's heartbreaking about how, like, he disappeared. The last thing that he experienced with his dad was this argument and this, like, you know, big blow up between the two of them. Then he finds out that his dad put in all of it. He sunk his own business to try to find his son. Yeah. And nobody loved him more than his dad. Like, all of that stuff is just so touching. And then I like the resolution at the end. Is the dad coming around to being like, you don't have to go to Cliffside. Like, it's okay. You know, I'd... whatever, dude. And there's a nice line there where uh, his dad is like, let's, you know, it's okay. Let's talk about it, you know, man to man. We'll see what you want to do. Uh, and then Alan's like, what about father to son? And that's like, yeah, that, there, that there's whole... a good, yeah, between yeah. between Van Pelt and Alan and Alan's dad. Like there's a good, I think, kind of exploration and playing with the that sort of mentality of like, ah, oh, you know, you have to be a big, big manly man and not, right. not cry and not, you know, uh, it, it's, it's a nice little exploration of like, let, let kids be kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> come on. Now. I, I do really love when, um, Alan goes to confront Peter after yeah. he's kind of messed up and turned into a monkey. And of course that leads into the, the funny joke where he has to rip open his pants so he can let the tail out. Yeah. Um, that's, that's just a very weird thing, but it's, it it's is funny. quite strange. Um, yeah, but I, I really like how Alan starts like yelling at him and then he, he realizes, Oh, what have I become? Yeah. And he goes 26 years in that jungle. And I still became my father. That is this, that, that whole character arc is just littered with brilliant lines. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's very good. It's, if it's undercut by anything, it's the, a, the ADR of, uh, Peter going, Sure. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> like that's a little weird. But otherwise, it, no, it is a great line. It's a great moment. Um 
yeah, I, I, I think it's all great. And he's got a cool banana leaf hat. <laughs> yeah, somehow they give him that ridiculous Tarzan, not Tarzan outfit at the beginning. Mm. And yet I'm not, I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't like completely laughable. No, yeah. What year is it? Uh. There we go. <laughs> Um, I, I did, I did like the monkeys taking the cop car and like shooting the shotgun into the air. It's kind <laughs> of terrifying. That was all really funny to me. Oh, I think just throughout the movie, there's a part where Robin Williams and David Allen Greer are driving and then the, the, they see the traffic cop on the bike and it's just a bunch of monkeys and one of them has a gun <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they just look at them and the monkeys look at them and then they just keep driving. <laughs> it's just like, you didn't see anything. You didn't see anything. All right. <laughs> It just <laughs> oh it's so funny and i love that david ungear is like it's the traffic cop he'll back us up what okay yeah yeah i, like I do it. appreciate that they didn't make carl an antagonist throughout like the entire yeah, movie yeah i do like how once he has seen enough crazy things and alan kind of lays out what's going on he's like okay it's probably not the best idea but i'm gonna go ahead and uncuff you right i like that they used to call him Soul Man, <laughs> yeah, him, and I bet him, he loved it. Him and uh, Peter and Kirsten Dunst. Uh, Peter and Kirsten Dunst is on, I should say. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that they sort of, there's a little bit of a, oh, you know, what's going to happen when she finds out that they're not going to school? And then that's like quickly dropped, and it's like, it doesn't. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> like, we're not, not worried about this. Yeah, there's a stampede. Yeah. yeah. The stampede starting and bursting through the bookcase looks better than I thought it was going to look. Right before it happened, I was like, oh, man, there's going to be, like, a, a bold line circle <laughs> that they're all running out of. <laughs> nope, this look pretty good. Yeah. I do like that Robin Williams stops to go, the game! <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have to announce it to myself. Because that's what you, that's what I do when I leave my house in the morning to go to work. I go, oh! My wallet! And then I run back inside. The keys! <laughs> you run back inside and barely avoid the several ton animals that are yeah, barging through the just walls. going through the library all the time. But hey, when you work in a library, it's an adventure every day. Yeah. There's probably a scholastic trailer, not trailer, commercial. Oh yeah, with a bunch of like like a Like a book fair, a book fair yeah, type totally. thing, type, type video produced uh, that has like yeah, elephants coming out of a book. Or... And like an off-brand superhero giving you a thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's basically what the Page Master is, right? Ugh, what a dumb movie. I haven't don't seen you, it. Don't, don't you do that to me. I haven't seen it. Or if, if, if I, I saw I, it, I was like four. I didn't do anything to you. No, I, I'm sure I would like it. I haven't watched it in a long time. Joe Johnston directed the live-action bits. <laughs> well, there you go. It's and, fine. And David Lynch, the animated. <laughs> you know, Dune just Too... messed me up so bad, I decided <laughs> to go to Cartoon Land. Two tonally uh, uh, different sides there. It's a really hard hard to digest film. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> the page master, quote, challenging the Guardian. <laughs> <laughs> You know the 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 parts with the boy they're a little bit on the nose where he's in the library and it's a, it's a little bit too uh in too too you know innocent and and naive sure, and, and not really yeah. 
uh, uh, believable because the boys, the boys, too sweet. And then uh, the rest of the movie is uh, nearly illegible. <laughs> <laughs> illegible, haunting, really made me want coffee, and just has a <laughs> this a sort of score that seems to only be zither and a single flute. <laughs> Truly, truly a, a gauntlet for the senses, but the kids will love it. You know, I'm going to love when I, I somehow trick you both into watching the Page Master and we do it for the podcast and you both give it a C minus. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think it'd be fun. You're saying Joe Johnson's done a movie before that has been anything less than C quality. Captain America. I like Captain America quite a bit. I remember liking Rocketeer. What else has he made? And those are his only movies. Those are his he's only never done, films. He's never done anything bad. Do Do you think Do you think while Joe Johnston was making this movie, he he was trying to shoehorn in a scene where where a Velociraptor looks over at Robin Williams and goes, <laughs> "Alan." Yes, I do. Okay, that's in where fact. it came from. I'm surprised he, the crocodile didn't say that. <laughs> um, he did make Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. True. Uh, as well, he also made uh, Hidalgo, starring Viggo Mortensen in a horse. <laughs> the Wolfman with Benito del Toro. Uh, October Sky with Alex's best friend, Jake Gyllenhaal. Do we need to unpack that? Been... Why is Jake Gyllenhaal my best friend? Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you're just a total Jake head. Did he direct the Iron Giant? No, Brad Bird did. Tyler, this is, this is news stuff. to me that Jake Gyllenhaal is my best friend. So, mm-hmm. all right. I guess it's official podcast canon now. Yeah. I mean, you know, you hang out all the time. You're always talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> he directed a film called Not Safe for Work. Oh my I don't... When was that? 2014. What? Yeah. Joe. <laughs> what did you do? He also worked on the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, but that went well. Um, Nutcracker in the Four Realms. He did the reshoots. <laughs> oh no! Not safe for oh, work. Oh no, Joe! <laughs> not, not not safe for work is a star- is about a paralegal who witnesses an unknown man murder a lawyer at his near nearly empty workplace. Why did Joe Johnston make this? Who who asks for who? This has. What? Well, he he had already gotten all that Marvel money, and he was like, "Now for my passion project." <laughs> <laughs> Look, they they told him they told him, "Okay, well, you know, you did a great job with First Avenger, but we're not bringing you back to to direct Winter Soldier. We're going in a different yeah. direction." And he said, "Well, I'll see you guys in 2014." <laughs> <laughs> this workplace makes me feel not unsafe. Hey. <laughs> Uh, do do we want to talk about the uh, the future Christmas scene where they've yeah. reset the timeline and everything is hunky dory? Yeah. So when Alan when they re- win the game, Alan reverts back in time, and I actually kind of like this moment between him and Sarah where she's like, they talk about starting to remember what it's like to be a kid that they're not adults in kids' bodies, and I was like, good lip yep. service, good. And then there was some lip service because she kisses him. Oh. 
I know. Aww. I'm sorry. Hey, I had a week off. What do you want you from doing? me? What are you hey, doing? To me? I try to do the podcast. I'm but I'm potting over here. Why are you talking about lip service? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Tyler, I really love your... Uh, I'm sorry they cut your character the, the most tired gangster from The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> I was... Uh, from old Sleepy McDougal. Yeah, I was actually Calendar Man in... Uh, Whoa! In The Batman, and they cut me. Oh, man. And uh, that was... That was how I did it. Hey, it's April 14th. What do you want? Uh, same mattress. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess I'll commit a crime or something. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, um, but anyway, it's a cha- <laughs> it's a chaste kiss. And then it is. It is a nice moment. It's a yeah, nice but scene. but yeah, they flash forward to the future and. Alan and Sarah, I get we. It's kind of efficient how they cover so much ground that like, Alan took over at the shoe business. I guess hired Judy and Peter's dad to do marketing for them. There's a nice bit where the they're like, "Oh, we're gonna take the skiing trip," and Robin Williams mm-hmm. and Bonnie Hunt both go, "No!" and like scream. Yeah, mm-hmm. they give Judy and Peter presents, which for some reason made me feel so awkward that i was like a little bit oh what if they don't like the presence oh god <laughs> what if i was in that position oh i was more just like no. did they just like randomly like did anyone else get presents at this party sure like specifically like they just i don't know sure and also the, what did they sh- do they show what they got then no it's just jumanji <laughs> i like the idea of it being board games i like the yeah. idea of it being like hey we got you uh monopoly and clue Get it? Judy opens go. up hers and it's Zathura. <laughs> there we go. She's like, get it? Get what? From the from the other universe? I do also like that they don't feel the need to have Alan's parents be in that scene. There's yeah. just a wonderful moment where we're introduced to him um, talking with his dad on the phone. And it's very clear that he still has a very healthy, yeah. loving relationship with him. I, I think, yeah, like you said, Britton, that's just very efficient. Just getting so much information across very quickly. Yeah. And I think, do they open, like, Carl's in the middle of the party, like, playing on the piano or something. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. he's over there staring. I, I, I also like that it's at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just to get that in there. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. How did Joe Johnson never direct a Harry Potter? How did, how did he oh, not, man. how did, like, Chris Columbus not be like, hey, I got the guy for you. Yeah, really. And it's not Alfonso Cuaron. It's the guy <laughs> who made Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> There's a few, man. Yeah, he could have done the dragons and Goblet of Fire. There's yeah, di- like they're like dinosaurs with wings. I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that Joe Johnston should have directed um, Half Blood Prince and both Deathly Hallows movies, but I'm not sure they'd be better. I think they would be. I think they'd be more fun. <laughs> have either of y'all seen Nutcracker in the Four Realms? No. no. There's a There's a flower man in it that is disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> wait wait so can you confirm I, I i'm not sure if you were joking or not did they actually bring him in just to do reshoots Acor- according to lasa hallstrom it, it's it is credited as a co-directing effort between lasa hallstrom from my life okay. as a dog and joe johnson apparently joe johnston did reshoots and kind of oversaw the production gotcha maybe he worked more with the visual effects stuff i don't know okay yeah not a not a movie i'm wild about but a movie i've seen <laughs> And that counts for something, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Matthew McFadden plays a dad who's weirdly obsessed with getting to dance with his daughter. 
He okay. just like, well. every character has a goal, and that's his. <laughs> every scene, she's like, "Daddy, I wish I didn't miss Mummy so much." Well, are we gonna dance together? <laughs> When's the dance? That's anyway, incredible. we'll do that for Halloween. I'm not going to say that Joe Johnston would have demanded that the last few Harry Potter movies be less like gray and miserable and just terrible yeah. looking, but I have a feeling I, that I do that feel would have confident <laughs> they would have looked better, I think. Sure, yeah. sure. Or at least more appealing. Yeah. And Kirsten Dunst is Fleur Delacour. Stop it. Sure. Actually, probably would have worked. And then maybe they would have bombed and Fantastic Beasts wouldn't have happened. Hey, there you go. We can't that, lose. That's we can't the other time the Johnston timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Look, was, we're all singing Old Lang Syne and we're all like, ah, what a great world with eight Harry Potter movies only. <laughs> you know, Tyler, you're really, you, you really took Thanos' challenge about, you know, you have to make big sacrifices to get what you mm-hmm, want. Mm-hmm. I really like you playing the long con here where you're like, I'm going to crash and burn the Harry Potter movies just so Fantastic Beasts does not happen. Yeah, like if yeah. you if you ask me right now, like, I don't know, you do, I was going to say, do, do you give the Harry Potter franchise to Zack Snyder? But I actually want to see that. Um, Ooh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what happens in that timeline they they crash and burn and then and then then uh what was the first fantastic beast 16 or 17 yeah no it was really? 16 because it was the okay. same year as dr strange okay yeah okay so 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 maybe maybe what we're going for here because the last harry potter movie was a little 2011 or 2012 i think 12 i don't know 2011 2011 so so maybe what we're going for here is that Joe Johnston, uh, like six and seven. Well, no, because uh, he would have brought they brought on for five instead of what's his face, and so then uh, you do you do five, six, and and part one of seven, and they're all terrible. And they're like, all right, fine, we're bringing in Zack Snyder because <laughs> uh, we're so impressed with the Guardians of Gahul movies that are now getting a franchise, right? Uh, and he's passing that off. We're gonna bring him in for the for the finale, the Harry Potter franchise. And then he doesn't do Man of Steel. And instead, we get, like, James Gunn heading the DC DC universe, and we all win. And then Zack Snyder can come in and do, like, a like a, like a gritty Shazam movie or something. Yeah. Do you think that he would ever stop playing London Calling during the Harry Potter movies? No. <laughs> 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 Cool. And after they like have to deal with Rufus Scrimgeour, he plays I Fought the Law and the Law won. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sounds that's a good fun. Song. Then Ryan Johnson comes in to he takes over the Guardians of Gahul movies. Maybe that's maybe that's what we do is that Ryan Johnson actually gets the DCEU. Because what, what had he done? Uh, he done a looper. What was looper? 2012. Looper was 2012. Okay. Okay. Maybe maybe we get maybe we actually get a, a Superman movie from Christopher Nolan. Maybe they they bring him on because they they don't have any visionaries to go to. Sure, they're like, all right, all right, give it give us one more good one. Let's see see what you got in the bag. Uh, and then and then he does a Superman movie, and then Ryan Johnson's like, I could do I could do something like that. And then uh, he never has a deal with Star Wars fans. Yeah, this is the everybody's everybody wins universe. Is is dealing with DC fans all that much better? 
Yes, because DC fans love their directors. Uh, uh, an unhealthy amount, yeah. <laughs> I would say. And also, Ryan Johnson's movies would be better, I think. Yeah. So, and then there's if, this, if yeah. they'll love, you know, I don't if they will if they will stand Suicide Squad, then like, what what you know, like what what are you gonna tell me that, that Ryan Johnson's uh, you know, Batman trilogy is not gonna sure knock the socks off him? what i'm saying matt reeves is doing the lego movies there's also yeah. a part where jk rowling's and that, like and we love that and we love it and there's a part where jk rowling's like i was thinking about getting a twitcher account no <laughs> and we all still like the books <laughs> george r. r martin already released winds of winter and dream of yeah. spring yeah um the game of thrones finale went exactly the same way and everybody yes. was nice to it nothing changed <laughs> yeah there we go they're everybody, all fine. Everybody was fine with it because George R. R. Martin got the books out before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, oh yeah, totally. They're like, yeah, this, yeah, this, this, is, sense. this makes sense. Yeah, this it's in the adaptation. text. They actually changed some things that make that help it uh, streamline a little bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Love it. Thanks, George. No problem. Anyway, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Time to adapt my uh, millions of dollars franchise <laughs> wild cards. <laughs> it's it, it's a crossover. It's, it's a crossover with Christopher McQuarrie's Yu-Gi-Oh films. <laughs> sure. There are no Mission Impossible films, and, Alex. I'm sorry. And, they only made two. And this is what this is what happens in the timeline when uh the the kids win Jumanji. That's yeah. that's it's canon. That's what <laughs> that's, that's what happens in right. the Jumanji universe Look. that we we didn't get in 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 the real in our universe, the problem is that uh they never found the game yeah uh and no i guess they did find the, the i guess what i'm saying is the events of jumanji do happen uh but all four of our main characters die a, a horrible grisly death yeah uh robin williams's dice it's like that uh that chaos theory episode of, of community sure yeah uh one of the dice lands the wrong way and, and his 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 thing stops just short and van pelt shoots both him and and sarah and peter goes off to live with the monkeys and uh <laughs> kirsten dunce leads the resistance <laughs> <laughs> well no she's uh, got the dart in her neck she's down oh that's true she's dead too okay yeah. well she's you know spider what? food <laughs> oh just like in the movie <laughs> like in the other movie <laughs> uh um, so yeah, and say, then uh, and then from there we end up uh, uh, in our universe. Yeah, is what happens? And there's a horrible uh, event in wherever this movie takes place that's been covered up by the government. Yeah, but there is a stampede just moving throughout America, <laughs> just <laughs> the, going the, from the town to town. <laughs> exactly. Look, look Tyler. Some, as as sometime, long if you hear the drums run. <laughs> As as long as Quantum of Solace gets made and everyone subsequently forgets about it except for me, then I'll, I'll, I can li- I can live with this new future. Sure. Yep. It's your favorite Nora Ephron movie. Um. Got it. Ah <laughs> 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 uh, man, it's fun to think about what could have been. <laughs> Sliding doors, huh? Knives Out Two looks fun. Uh, oh yeah glass onion the title makes me so happy it does it does make me happy too does any of us have another thing to say about jumanji 
the seminal classic from auteur joe johnston it is really clever how those are just spider puppets they're pulling around on strings but they make it look like they're walking and Mm -hmm. there's a close-up of the spider that is terrifying yes yeah i don't know if i've mentioned this on the podcast but i have a thing about giant spiders in movies or spiders of unusual size where i am they, they they make i get so intimidated but i cannot look away it's oh man what a what a thing but i loved it yeah very effective Ugh. um i'm curious if the sequels are gonna screw up what i like about this movie i i, I my understanding is that the, the the sequels are good but i don't know if they're gonna be good jumanji sequels i think they're it's this i only saw the first of the sequels and it really just felt like a reboot it felt like we're jumanji in name and loose concept i was gonna say okay. i have a feeling we are doing zithura next uh right yeah. We'll maybe have to compare John Favreau and Joe Johnston's filmography because that's fascinating to think about. Um, and then we'll be doing the two Dwayne the Rock Johnson Jumanji's. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, my to my understanding is just like each of these is just a shot in the dark at like what if what if we just like kind of made <laughs> we right. have this brand we have this property I don't know. Yeah. What if Give it was this this time? Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Isn't a Jonas brother in one of those? I think he's. I hope so. He's in the first of the sequels, but I won't tell you which Jonas. Alex, I know you have your favorite, (laughs) Kevin. Oh, (laughs) if you genuinely are like, name one of them. Couldn't do it. Oh, sure, sure. You you really cannot name. You can't name a Jonas brother. The Jonas brothers. Look at the wall scroll behind you, my dude. Their names are written in cursive. I don't see how you like. Is it like Frankie and Benjamin? <laughs> how is Frankie the one you get right? The baby that nobody, the one from Ponyo. Wait, is Frankie an actually? A <laughs> He's Jonas the fourth brother? one. He's the bonus Jonas. The oh, baby. that's incredible! I was just making up oh names. My God, who's the most famous Cyrus to you, Alex? Noah. <laughs> I, I'm a Jamie gonna... Lynn Spears fan. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna tell me next? You're, you're, you, you love Elizabeth Olsen? Yeah. Colin Hanks is America's sweetheart, right? <laughs> well, I, let me tell you, before sunset, I plan to watch all of Maya Hawke's filmography. Okay, but she's... It's fun and strange. No, I'm sure she's great. Yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah. The sailor hat and the whole thing. I don't I haven't watched the show yet. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah, I bet. Joe Curie. Uh <laughs> what's our <laughs> review of? This took a turn, <laughs> I swear. <laughs> this there's, is my this a... is my friend Alex. He's a ten but can't name a single prime Jonas brother. <laughs> he can't he can't name any of the original Jonas trilogy. <laughs> he only knows the sequel trilogy. He only, he only knows the reboot. <laughs> Look, some trilogies were just meant to be forgotten, okay? <laughs> there was a while there where we were just talking about the movie, and I think uh sort of in the same way that like you know, you're watching a football game and it's real close, like uh, knock him out <laughs> brawl and, and no one's really like got the got the lead uh, and, and like 
you know, the, the two teams are known for having great offenses and, and nothing's really happening. You're kind of like, when's, when's something big going to happen? And then, like, in the third quarter, someone just, just bust out for a 70-yard touchdown run. That's 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 what Britain <laughs> and I, I think, have, have been able to accomplish here in the last, like, 15 minutes. Concur. The, the floodgates opened. It happened. I give Jumanji a B plus, and you guys will probably be mad at me for that. No. But. Alex, what are you doing? I think I'm actually going to go the same. B plus. Okay. Huh. Well, uh, oofa doofa. Water went down the wrong hole. Uh, a minus. There you go. Like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's just a, a <coughs> very, very well done, well thought out family film. That is also to young Britain horrifying. Sure, As but also be, I mean, tantalizing. I, I I really think that that actually helps to add some staying power to family films like this. Like yeah. I, I do like that element of no, it is creepy, it is scary for kids because sometimes things are supposed to be scary. Yeah, you have to. Stakes. Even as a child, you have to get out of your comfort zone at least a little bit. I mean, you don't have to watch something that's going to traumatize you, like. Sure. I, I'm not. I'm not asking a child to watch watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you know. <laughs> but like, you know, especially uh, when you can find an opportunity in a family film to kind of kick it up at least a little bit. Yeah. I, I respect that when they're able sure, to do that right. without, you know, stepping over the line. Yeah, that's what the Disney Channel original movie "Gotta Kick It Up" was about. Oh, really? Yeah, it was about kids learning about the real world. Were 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 the Jonas Brothers in that? I don't know. I didn't see it. Ah, oh, now who's lying? About <laughs> yeah, hey, what man. they do and do not know Good. about the Jonas Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the villain is is Leatherface. Yeah, <laughs> gotta kick it up. Meant his Bare- mask and his nose. Barely approved for TV. Yeah, I don't know how <laughs> they got it past Mickey. I don't know what how they distracted him. <laughs> um, cool. Well, uh, I am back with a brand new invention called the recommendation. Um, <laughs> okay. I actually, I, I, I went through a couple of, of things that worked to not as many degrees as I was hoping, but the movie I was going to recommend on the last episode before I couldn't be on it. Um, the is first half of Independence Day. <laughs> first half of Independence Day. Oh, boy. No, but it is a, uh, a, a throwback, nostalgic bit of Americana. Um, actually, real quick, let me verify the year so I can give you the right thing. Okay, I thought so. Uh, this is, uh, I'm going to do a very Britain recommendation. Uh, I'm going to recommend a 1949 musical called On the Town. This is a terrific, uh, like 90 minute, 97 minute movie directed by Stanley Donnan and Gene Kelly, who made Singing in the Rain together. Um, it's, it, it has the most gossamer thin of plots. It is about a trio of sailors uh, on shore leave in New York City for 24 hours. One of Gene Kelly's looking for love. Frank Sinatra just wants to see the sights. And there's a third guy um, who I think also is looking for love. And hijinks ensue. There's, there's dancing. There's ladies. There's all kind of kookiness. Um, needless to say, it's just a sequel, bros. Um but it was it's a really really fun movie. It doesn't have like a standout sort of dance moment like Gene Kelly tap dancing in roller skates or or yeah, I don't know, make him laugh or something to sing in the rain. But all the numbers are really fun. I think the songs themselves are really fun to 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 listen to. The two caveats I would give are that 
the last like 20 minutes of the movie really slow down for me. And I was like, all right, come on, let's, let's, let's go. And there's a song called prehistoric man that I find very, very funny and how crazy and bonkers it is, but also very cringy in terms of where some of the uh, costumes go in that scene for our, our actors. It gets iffy, but that song is performed by the great Ann Miller who just obliterates that number. She's so good in that. Um, it's just a, there's a great dancer called Vera Ellen in the movie who dances with Gene Kelly. Um, it, it's just a wonderful time, very light and fun and just a, just, just a good feel good, uh, put a smile on your face musical of yore. Uh, it's, I watched it on HBO max. Uh, so my, and I have done some other places too, but I definitely recommend checking it out. Like I said, it's like 90 something minutes, uh, and it's called on the town. I do not have anything to recommend this week. I've started a couple of things on Netflix and I will report back with my findings. Is this cake? (laughs) (laughs) I don't have anything to recommend. We haven't yet mentioned the fact that the the three of us, rather than watching Morbius, uh, did (laughs) watch She's the Man. We did. We did watch Which it. Is, is, not, is that is that your recommendation? It's not my recommendation, unless <laughs> like you have two friends yeah. that you really feel like watching She's the Man with. Uh, my 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 wife started this started us on this journey. Yeah. Uh, no, she was there the whole time. No, she watched it. Say. Yeah, but we we all started paying gradually more attention. <laughs> yes, correct. Uh, and it was fascinating. The third, um, yeah, the third act of that movie. Gets ghost places. <laughs> Oops. I'm, I'm throwing my computer in excitement. Uh, yeah, people, I don't know. It's, it gets, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Yeah. Um, Amanda I would call Bynes. it a doozy. Yeah, Amanda Bynes, 10 out of 10 performance. Uh, <laughs> Channing, Channing Tatum, also 10 out of 10 performance. Oh, man. David Cross, uh, come on. Mm-hmm. That, well, yeah. Actually, genuinely, it was, was fun. It was like a seven. I don't know. He's done better. Um, fascinating film. I'm yes, throw, we did. Throw into the ether. We also saw, saw Thor: Love and Thunder, but that's a, oh yeah, that's true. You know, <laughs> she's the man. Is the thing we want to talk about here. It was today. it was a weekend. Uh, Love and Love and Thunder. I sometimes with I think there have been a couple of MCU movies that I've I've kind of thrown out as like, oh man, I want to I want to recommend. Sure. Uh, and and like get get ahead of that before we actually talk about it and, and just say that it is something that I recommend going to see. Like Love and Thunder, it's not really like a like oh my gosh, you got to go out and see this right now thing. Uh, I think in some ways it might actually be a more fun like TV experience. It could uh, be. Yeah, I, I could see that. Could could see that working better. Um, so I don't know. That that's that's a that's a fun movie. Uh, in my opinion, I think if you like, you know taiko Waititi stuff you'll probably have a good time with it but uh not not anything mind-blowing necessarily but she's the man yeah oh, that oh, oh wow yeah this is all really a tease for the uh she's the man sydney white and some other thing mm-hmm. that amanda Bynes did uh trilogy that we're gonna do at some point so. i mean I, I i've already i've already established this when we watched the film because i was paying close attention i mean channing tatum's character is named duke it is connected to the G.I. Joe movies, I'm telling okay. you. Okay. Well, <laughs> this is 
I'll, yeah, I, I'm fine with watching the G.I. Joe movies as long as we do watch uh, these two Amanda Bye movies and review them first. Okay, I, I mean, so... th- this is this is just your excuse to watch and review Moody's point. I mean, that's really <laughs> that... where this is all going. No, there we go. Might, that's, that's, be... the, that's the first part of the trilogy. That's the, <laughs> that's the lore right there. Um, I will say, so I, I googled Amanda Bynes movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. assuming we're not going to watch Charlotte we- Charlotte's Web 2, Wilbur's Great Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> um, you assume wrong my friend <laughs> I, I we have a couple of contenders here the obvious choice is what a girl wants where she goes to England okay. for yeah yeah reasons. yeah i think i think that's probably a good that sydney white and she's the man she wasn't big fat liar which i'm assuming yeah. is going to be alex's vote but that's like a frankie muniz vehicle yeah thing. yeah she, and, and but this, amanda Bynes is actually quite good man <laughs> one likewise she is an okay. easy a uh the emma stone uh sure uh fun comedy um she also did a movie called love wrecked but i don't know i don't know if that's <laughs> what a guy wants in terms of i'm gonna watch what a girl wants she learns that her father is a wealthy british politician running for office let's just see who the dad is this is what a girl wants or this is love wrecked. the dad is colin first gonna oh. watch it yes we are oh snap we can watch we can do this trilogy before uh kingsman it's gonna be great also in the movie is jonathan price <laughs> <laughs> the high sparrow himself <laughs> look statistically statistically if we watch all of these movies and like what what's the other we've talked about doing other G.I. Joe movies or other movies connected to the G.I. Joe franchise. Yes. yes. The, well, the, isn't there... the Steven Summers mummy movies are somehow loosely connected. Yes. OK, so <laughs> the, the saga unravels. We we, have, <laughs> we are identifying the full the full scope here of our next franchise. Uh, and and we'll we'll line that up. Uh, I was going to say statistically, if we watch all these, one of them. We're, one of them will be a winner for one of us, and that's—I'd say—that's worth it. I think. So. Yeah, uh, I do think we got to do what a girl wants. Sydney White. I do just want to say there's not a lot of fun actors in it, but there is a character. Uh, the evil queen character is named Rachel Witchburn. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, that no, I have seen that movie twice. Okay, uh, okay. <laughs> um, how long did it take you to memorize the character Demetria Rosemead? Quote Dinky Hotchkiss. <laughs> It has some like, it has actors that are like, oh, that guy. Sure, I saw Sarah Paxton. Yeah, I was it's like, got, yeah, it's totally. Got several of those, uh, and it is very on the nose in terms of the the Snow White okay. metaphor, uh, and it's uh, I think a fun time. So. I yeah, all right, cool. We're gonna pencil this in yeah. the the Amanda Bynes trilogy. We'll we'll work out how all this works chronologically, and we'll we'll get back to y'all. Yeah, uh, after watching Jumanji two. Welcome to Jumanji. Okay. You know, uh, of course, me being me, I'm like, oh, this this sounds like a horrible idea. Um, I'm not against this at all. It's yeah, whatever. It'd be fine. But at the same time, I'm looking down down the barrel of a loaded gun that is Morbius in Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion, and I'm like, this choose your own path adventure is is this is Jumanji. This is a living nightmare. That sound you hear, it isn't thunder. Staying put would be a blunder.
<laughs> I do love the image of you going to work. You have your workout, you make your dinner, you sit down in your apartment, and then you queue up Sydney White for the and to, and you say to yourself, "This is for a podcast." You know what the best part is? I actually have like a to do list every week of like I actually write down what sure, I yeah. need to do and I cross it off as I go. Sydney, I would write it down. It would be written down. like there would if some if I had a maintenance person come here or something, they could see that. Yeah, a maintenance person. <laughs> Yeah, and they're like, uh, oh, this guy's really... What a girl wants. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I just don't even know. I also quite like the idea of you uh, skirting between alleyways and like putting a you know, hood over, over your head, uh, d- ducking between spotlights, trying not to be seen by uh, these, these two uh, horrifying figures who are, uh, you know, after a debt to be paid, and they are Chris Pratt and Jared Leto. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever his name from Jurassic World and Morbius. What does What a Girl Want even have to do with England as a title? It was based on the 1955 play The Reluctant Debutante. Okay. And it is the second adaptation for the screen of this work. The first one had Rex Harrison in it and Sandra Dee and John Saxon. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, guys. To me, this feels like a franchise. Yeah, I agree. Man, there's a lot of plot in this movie. (laughs) <laughs> that good. means it's good that means it's good that's what i'm saying i'm the, I'm, I'm cornered here i have no options steve out Steve clovis yeah like <laughs> wait no 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 he didn't write it i was, he said okay. a lot of plot and i was thinking about oh okay yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. hold on hold on it, you know, did like, say it was a british movie we got through the scooby-doo movies we got through independence day and i was like all right smooth sailing at least for a little nope not at all. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got three weeks of probably smooth sailing, and then just a whole bunch of crap. <laughs> I'm, I don't know. Jonathan Price in a scene with Amanda Bynes. You know, ask Ashley. Tyler, do the sign-off stuff. Just. Uh. <laughs> You can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at sequels. You can uh, email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify and uh, iTunes and the various podcast services. Uh, You know, give us a like, give us a rating, drop us a comment about how you you need more Amanda Bynes content. Uh, and, And, you know, make your voice heard. Yeah. Use your platform. It ain't right. <laughs> it ain't right. <laughs> but it is good. Um, yeah, next week we're doing Zathura. I'm, I'm, I've never seen Zathura. I'm looking forward to it. There's some actors in it that are fun. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm actually kind of stoked. Yeah. To go on this a, kooky space adventure. I'm, I'm always down for some Favreau. Yeah, come know. on. Another Chris Van Alsberg adaptation? Yeah. I haven't read the Zathura picture book, but... I was unable to convince you both to do Polar Express in between these, but that's okay. Christmas is coming, the podcast getting fat. Watch the movies. <laughs>